great. And the reason I want to do this is that every now and then I like to focus a little bit on the fundamentals of our own church. Because when we planted Ignite Life Church, we had quite a lot of discussion about, well, what are our foundations? What are the things that really drive us as part of the body of Christ? And a lot of what we were thinking distilled down into what we call the three greats. The great invitation, the great commandment, and the great commission. Everybody's heard of the great commission. Most people, no doubt, have heard of the great commandment. But you rarely hear much about what I call the great invitation. And actually, unless you've really got a good understanding of the great invitation, I don't think you can do the great commandment. And unless you've got the foundation of both of those two greats, you're not going to have the empowerment to do the Great Commission. And you'll only actually do it, as it were, if you push yourself, the pastor stands out the front and it makes you feel kind of obligated to invite somebody to an event, like a coffee tasting or whatever. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the three greats today. And, and really, unless we respond to this first one, what I call the great invitation, and we actually want to become known as a church that really focuses on the idea of the great invitation. Remember when, when Jesus was establishing his, his disciples, when he was, as it were, collecting up those 12 people from different walks of life, he actually issued an invitation, come. Follow me. It wasn't really a command. They could have said, no, nah, we like fishing too much. Or I'm pretty keen on continuing my job as a tax collector. They, they could have done that. But they responded to an invitation. So when he was talking to the fishermen, he said, you know, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So there was a a promise attached to receiving the invitation. And it occurred to me just recently that, well, that is the start of our journey with Jesus Christ. But I think there's another invitation as well, and that's the invitation to come to me. So really, most of us have heard about Jesus inviting those disciples or those people from different walks of life to become disciples. And you can read it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Jonathan, all four Gospels. But in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 29, there's a, another invitation. And I was thinking of this invitation, particularly this morning. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. And I think as we work out, our Christian faith, we often become weary. 
I have to admit, I was a bit weary this morning. We had a big day, well, I had a pretty big week anyway, but pretty big day yesterday with our, our coffee tasting, which was quite a lot of fun actually. And um, I hope we can do it again, um, probably in the first quarter next year. And there was a guy who turned up, he didn't know anybody who was coming. He didn't know the coffee roasters. Uh, there were a couple of people who came from Josh Escarabaj's church, three, three people. Then there were a bunch of us. And this young fellow, Jace, turned up. And, um, you know, I had an opportunity to chat with him. And I know um, Gina, I think you spoke with him, and Jeanette did. There was someone else at that table. Oh, Magella, of course. Yes, yes, you did too. So, um, you know, a number of people engaged him. And as, as he left, I, I walked downstairs with him and told him a little bit about us and we're open at 9.30. Who knows whether he will ever come, but the point is there's been some seeds sown. And that's, that's, that's the whole point of a community outreach event, event where we can actually bring people in who are not like us who don't have that personal relationship with with Jesus. But um, we went home yesterday, we ended up going to Bunnings and Jeanette doing some gardening and whatnot. And um, I cooked dinner, it was pretty good by the way. Butterfly marinated roast lamb done on the barbecue. Smashed potato with garlic and cheese, all grilled, pretty nice. And then some veggies to go with it just to make us feel good. Mm -hmm. Fruit salad, pretty good. I actually had some leftover Madeira cake from the coffee posting. By the way, if those of you who didn't come, you need to come next time, eh? Because we learnt that certain foods go with certain coffees. It's more scientific than wine tasting. You know how to have certain cheeses go with certain ones? Madeira cake, we had Madeira cake and lemon tarts and caramel slice and what was the other one? Oh yes, intense orange lint chocolate went with one of the coffees. Oh my goodness, it was so enlightening. That was I felt tired afterwards. That's a that seems impossible, doesn't it, after drinking so much coffee? I don't know why I'm telling you all this. I'm just trying to make you jealous if you didn't come at <laughs> And um, Dougal came down early. He came down Friday afternoon, then again early yesterday, and cleaned the place up. It was totally spick and span. There wouldn't have been a germ alive in the place. Did a wonderful job, so we're very grateful for that. Anyway, but that should have been all. I got up pretty tired this morning, let me tell you. Because I had to get up at about a quarter to five. Um, just to finish a bit of stuff off for, for um, the church. And I thought of, keep thinking of this verse. So what do you do? What do you do when, it's, when you get a bit weary? <coughs> what do you do? Um, as you know, I, I sort of combine being a pastor with um, I'm trying to earn a bit of, bit of money along the way. And... Um, Sorry, it needs to charge. Oh, I'm just going to die. <laughs> That's a bit weird. It was about ninety percent charged this morning. That's really weird. Anyway, because I, I oh, know I've lost out. Oh, will it work? No, you're doing it. It's all right. Sorry. I don't know why it's um, gone flat so quickly. But that's all right. This is technology. 
Anyway, but this verse came on Sunday for you know, in the last few years, I've, I've left something out of this great invitation. You see, come follow me. That invitation was issued to the 12 who became his disciples. That was, in a sense, a once-off decision, right? And, and we've made that decision. But I think this other one, come to me, this is an invitation which is issued over and over and over again. That, and, and I know you theologians will say, no, this is all about accepting the invitation for salvation. But you know what? We do get a bit tired on this journey. It's pretty hard work to live a life that aligns with the Word of God and with His nature. I actually think it takes a lot of personal character and courage to be a Christian. And you get a little bit worn out. And of course we we have a desire to do good. We have a desire to look after people, to love our neighbour. And when things do start to wear us out, that's when we come to him. Give him all our burdens and receive in exchange rest. Take his yoke. That actually was a reference to um, a, a rabbi training somebody to become a rabbi in the future. You actually be metaphorically yoked to a senior rabbi and you basically follow the rabbi around learning from him. Jesus, look at isn't this beautiful? Let me teach you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart. Jesus is never going to box you around the ears. He's never going to do that. He will always be gentle with you. Always. Now, if you experience something else, most likely that comes in the devil who stands there shaking his finger at you, accusing you of all kinds of things. You're not doing enough for Jesus. You're not walking a holy enough life. You're not witnessing as you should be, you know, over and over again. Well, that's not coming from Jesus. Jesus is more likely to say to you, let me show you how to witness to your neighbour tomorrow. He's much more likely to say that. Let us move on to the great commandment. Now, we, we all know it. We know the great commandment from Matthew. It should be Matthew 28, not Matthew 22, I think. Yeah, Matthew 28. But, oh, sorry, wrong thing. That's the great commission. See, I am tired. My brain's not working properly. It's in Matthew, Mark and Luke, not in John this, this time. But remember, uh, I think it's in Luke, where it's recorded that the experts in the law, they wanted to track Jesus, right? Because they, they were looking for an excuse to have him hauled in front of the authorities or, or the high priest for some contravention of their complex legal system. And so a smarty pants lawyer type thinks, well, I'll, I'll, I'll fix him. You know, we've got something like 640 laws in our, in our system. 
I'll put him on the spot and I'll ask him which one's the most important one. Which is the greatest? Now see, Jesus was perhaps a little bit smarter than they were because he was hooked into his Father in heaven. And he actually quoted their scripture. Right? If you have a look at the, the books of the Lord, Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you will see that Jesus actually quoted the Old Testament back at him. He quoted from Leviticus and from Deuteronomy. Love God and love your neighbour as yourself, not new ideas. Not new ideas. They were already there in the law that God gave to Israel through Moses. Love God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength. Spirit, soul and body. Love Him with it that was already there in the Old Testament. In one of those Gospels, Jesus actually says, you know, for the whole law and the prophets are built on this. Love. And see, so when he criticised the Pharisees, his basic criticism of them was they'd forgotten the most important thing, which was what? It was love. And then he, went, then he went on and said, well, the second is like it. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. He quoted straight out of their scripture. But it's interesting that a little later on, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another. This is in John 13, verse 30, 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Well, that's a bit weird, isn't it? And it, 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 it gets weirder than this because if, um, if you go to uh, 1 John and 2 John, written by the same John, right? The Gospel and 1 John and 2 John, written by the same John. In 1 John 2, 7, it says this, and again I'm using the New Living Translation. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you, rather it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before. In 1 John 2, 8, uh, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. In 2 John 1, 5, I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we've had from the beginning. It's a little bit confusing, isn't it? On the one hand, John records Jesus as having said to his disciples, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another. Then elsewhere, John says, well, it's not really a new commandment. We've had it from the beginning. I'll tell you what's new about it. Love like Jesus. That's what you're about. 
See, before Jesus appeared on earth, we didn't know how to love like Jesus. He loved to the point that he gave up his life for others. That's what's new. Now, does that mean we should all go out and find someone we can die for? Well, no, not really. But um, let me talk to you a little bit philosophically for a moment. See, in, in this life, right, you and I are actually heading towards death. Right? I'm closer towards my death than I was when I had breakfast this morning. And I'll be closer to my death. I don't know what we're having for dinner tonight. <laughs> no, I said to Jeanette yesterday we want sausages, she said no, super sausages. She's doing something that tell her I said to. <laughs> But when I have my dinner tonight, I'm going to be closer to my death than I am now. Closer to what? <laughs> Listen, when you, when you, give up your time for someone else, you're actually giving your life. When you give up your time for somebody else, you're actually giving up your life. You're laying down part of your life because you can't get that time back. You can't get it back. Now in the early, early church, Christians were known as being those who would actually literally risk their lives to help others. Back then, uh, the plague was something that happened regularly. It went, it went in cycles, right? Every, uh, around about every 10 years, I think it was, the plague would sweep through and decimate the population. That's one of the reasons why world population didn't start growing as rapidly as it, as it has so over the last 70, 80 years, because advances in medicine, we know about germs and so on. So, you know, we, we know how to deal with them these days, except for the COVID-19, anyway. And, and that, that has meant that survival rates of mums giving birth and survival rates of young children and babies have increased rapidly. That's why populations increased so very rapidly in the 20th and 21st century. But see, it was the Christians who used to go and to help the people around the plane, even if knowing that they could catch it and die themselves. It was the Christians. It wasn't the Romans. It wasn't the Jewish religious leaders. It wasn't the Pharisees. It was the Christians. And Christians have been doing that kind of thing ever since. That was what we knew about this commandment. Love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Let's move on to the Great Commission. And again, look, um, you've all heard this. No doubt if you've been around church circles for a while, you would have heard this. Every kind of missions offering, every um, call to mission makes an appeal. To these verses out of Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. 
When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, if I was John's editor, right, if John had come to me and said, Rod, can you help me put this, this gospel I'm writing together? I would have said, the last line there, or the last sentence, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, I would have put that before, therefore, and I would have said, make it read like this. All, by the way, this isn't, I haven't got this from the Holy Spirit, right? This is just me. <laughs> so, you know. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore, go. See, the point is, we're, we're not doing this on our own. Jesus, remember, we walk with him. We, we sang about it earlier today. Jesus has been given all. What does that mean? What does all mean? All. All means all. Even in the Greek, it means all. All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. And surely, definitely, most positively, incontrovertibly, I am with you always to the very end. And that is a, 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 a the end of the age. That's a reference to his second coming, which will end human history. But because of that, see, we can go. And I highlighted those words in yellow there. There's four verbs there. Go. Right? Make. Baptize and teach. Go, make, baptize and teach. Now, actually, in the Greek, that word go, it, we don't really have an exact equivalent in English, but it actually means in going, in going. But in your going, make disciples. Well, you can't really make a disciple if someone hasn't you know, made a decision to follow Jesus. Because disciples are those who follow Jesus. But you see, it's not just about having an invitation at the end of every service and saying, if you don't know Jesus, say this in a prayer. And then recording a number in the book. Our book, not the the life, but... Because we're, we're told, make disciples of the nations. That the Greek word there is ethos, which means people, groups, not necessarily Chinese, English, Spanish, and so on. But it means you know, all, all, all groups of people. Baptize them. We're, we're called to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Trinity is in there. And baptize means literally immerse them in water. And really, in ancient times, that was a citizenship ceremony. Because this is about bring, bringing 
them into citizenship in heaven. Yeah? And then the final thing is teach them. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So that's really teaching people about what is contained in here. Because this is, among many other things, God's handbook for our living on earth. But you see, we're doing it <coughs> with Jesus, who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he is with us until the end of the day. So often we, what we hear is it's our job to go and make disciples. And, and, and we sometimes, I guess, forget, miss, underplay, underemphasize that actually the key to our empowerment to do this is the knowledge that Jesus Christ has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. There's nothing missing. He's been given all authority. <clears throat> and he promises to be with us. Assuredly. He never leaves us. We might feel so weary sometimes, but then we can go to him with our burdens and take up his yoke again and let him teach us. See, for, for me, I wouldn't have it in me to go at all were it not for the knowledge that Jesus is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't stand on street corners and hand out tracts. That, that's not in me. Unless I know Jesus is with me. And he's with me. All of us. In heaven. Now let me try to put these together for you. Just a very, very simple diagram. As, as Christians, first we come, we accept his invitation. Then we love, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to love, to love as Jesus loved. And then we go. And when the going makes us weary, what do we do? We come again to Jesus. He rekindled in us the Jesus kind of love. And that will energize us in our going. And by the way, I think I have shared this once or twice before. That Great Commission can be roughly paraphrased very simply. In going about your daily business, let your whole life shine. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Every one of us is connected with others. When you walk out of here, you're going to move into different circles of connection. In going about what you do every day, let your whole see um, preaching the gospel. It has connotations of shouting, but it's more than words. It's more than words. 
follow by, I think it's St. Francis of Assisi, who's often quoted saying, would it preach the gospel using words if necessary? He never said that one. Well, know that's just something that we could found its way as a meme on Facebook or whatever. There's no credible source uh, quotes that at all. As far as we know, he never said that. that doesn't matter. Um, so, but, but it is more than words, it's the way we live. And I, I am going to speak on marriage one, one day, I'm not sure when, but you know, the whole point about marriage is our marriages are intended by God to be a representation or a metaphor for the way he wants to relate to people on the earth. And uh, we will talk about that in more detail somewhere down the track. So, come love, go, and when the going makes you weary, come to Jesus and take all your burdens to Him. Because when you're unburdened and when you know, when you have that sense that you are indeed yoked to Him, then you have the capacity to love and that's what empowers you to go. God bless you.